Good morning, I'm Jana. I'm the associate pastor here at Incarnation, and I wanna welcome you, especially if you're joining us for the very first time. We're glad that you're here. On Friday night, John and Jess and I went to Jazz Night at the High Museum, third Friday of every month, just public service announcement there for the High. And one thing that's so fascinating about jazz music is that it's played with like endless variation and enormous freedom, but under the discipline of a core theme to which is referenced to again and again, and that core theme is freedom, freedom. Jazz music is endlessly upsetting and subverting, endlessly moving. And we can trace the history of jazz to the oppressed enslaved communities in New Orleans calling on these songs of freedom in the midst of injustice. But we could also say that this beat of freedom goes further back to the Easter dances of those who saw up close the crucified Messiah come to life. And this morning, we might remember that these songs of freedom go back even further. And that if we keep pushing, we will come to the very bottom of the story of jazz, of songs of freedom. And these are told here in Exodus, in the midst of a Pharaoh who remains nameless. Because if you have seen one Pharaoh, you have seen them all. And this nameless Lord of Egypt tries with all his power to stop the music, to silence the song of freedom. Now, if you're newly joining us this morning, we have been working our way through the book of Exodus, asking ourselves, what does it mean for us to become God's liberation people? How do we enter into this dance of freedom? What's the movement and the cadence of this dance? How might these songs of freedom shape the whole of our lives and our community? And we pick up our story this moment, this morning in the midst of a very chaotic and uncertain moment in the life of the people of God, a moment where the people are confronted with the question, will the music stop? A question that has confronted all of us at one time or another with differing degrees of severity. We have all been up against a rock and a hard place, the Red Sea on one side and the armies of Pharaoh on the other asking the question, is this the end of the song? And this is not the first time in this story that this question has been asked, and it's certainly not the last. And you might be looking at your own life this morning, asking the very same question, is this the end of the song? Is there no way out of this impossible situation? Will I ever be healed? Is there hope on the other side of this broken relationship? Will I ever be set free from this addiction or this anxiety or this fear that dominates my life or this loneliness that swallows me up? 
Or we might be asking this question more collectively in a world filled with violence and oppression and alienation. Is this the end of the song? A lot has happened since we left off two Sundays ago with Moses standing before the burning bush and the great I am who hears the cry of his people. And for those of you who are just jumping into the story this morning, God's people have been enslaved for hundreds of years and they've been crying out to God to deliver them. And so God calls Moses to go to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh on Moses' behalf. So Moses tells Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh refuses. He scoffs. What God? I never heard of him. And God gives Pharaoh 10 warnings we call plagues. And when things would get bad enough, Pharaoh would say, okay, the people can go. And then he would change his mind. And finally, Pharaoh consents to let God's people go at the cost of his only son. And the Israelites, the people of God, they pack up and they head out. In the middle of the night, they dance the dance of freedom out of Egypt. And they leave Egypt and they head into the wilderness. And God leads them a very roundabout way through the desert and they end up at the Red Sea. And it appeared to Pharaoh that they were lost and that they had nowhere else to go. And Pharaoh saw an opportunity and changed his mind. And so he sent his army to pursue them. And the people of God are trapped between the Red Sea and the pursuing armies of Pharaoh. They literally have nowhere to go. It is an impossible situation. So they start to lose the song. They tell themselves we should have stayed in Egypt. It was better to be enslaved in Egypt than it is to die here in the wilderness. And Moses calls them back to the song. He says, don't be afraid. You will see the God of freedom act decisively on your behalf. Do not forget the song. And this is where we pick up our story this morning. And since they had left Egypt and are in the wilderness, God has been leading them by a cloud covering. And that cloud covering moves from in front of them to behind them. And it shields them from this approaching army. And God tells Moses, stretch out your hands over the sea. And Moses stretches out his hands over the sea. And a strong wind blows over the waters. And the same God that hovers over the waters of baptism hovered over the waters of the Red Sea that day and created a dry pathway through the sea with a pillar of water on the left and on the right. And God's people walk into the sea on dry ground. And the song with wild and endless variation goes on. And the Egyptian army pursues them and went into the sea after them. And the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army and threw them into a panic, clogged their chariot wheels, 
and they finally recognize in that moment that they are up against something much bigger and much stronger than those they had enslaved. They were up against the author of the songs of freedom. And they said to themselves, let's get out of here. The Lord is fighting for them. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands again and the water will come back down. And Moses did and the sea returned to its normal depth. And the Egyptians fled and the Lord tossed them into the sea. And at the center of this story is not an enslaved people or their leader Moses or even an enemy that had appeared victorious for generations that had finally come to a decisive end. At the center of this story is the God of freedom. The God who makes a way where there is no way. The God who will certainly and decisively deliver. The God who has and will rescue his people, the author of the song. The God of newness and possibility. And this is the same God that we heard about in Genesis that spoke the world into existence. And the same God who calls together this people through Abraham, calls them into life, calls them to be a blessing to everyone around them. And this moment at the Red Sea prefigures the deliverance that was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. This is the same God who raised Jesus from the dead and brought about cosmic deliverance from God's, of God's people over sin and death and oppression. And at the cross, the cosmic forces of evil are decisively dealt with. They have been cast into the sea. The God of Israel is in fact the God of all. The forces of violence and oppression and evil behind this Pharaoh and every subsequent Pharaoh cannot and will not win. The songs of freedom will persist. And friends, we are invited this morning into this dance of freedom. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, freedom to trust that God is able. Freedom to lean into a relationship with this God, the God who made us and the God who loves us, the God who calls him, us to himself. Freedom to enter into communion with the God who came near to us in the person of Jesus Christ and saying yes to this God is the first movement in the dance of freedom. And after this yes, we will inevitably find ourselves up against something or someone that threatens to silence the song and all throughout the life of faith, 
we are continually called back into the song, called to remember these songs of freedom, called to remember, look what God did at the Red Sea. Look at what God did on the cross. Look at what God has done and is doing in your life and in this church and in our world. This story we heard today is the seminal story in the history of the people of Israel that they were slaved in Egypt and God rescued them from their enslavers. And they remember this story again and again and again and again. Remember that you were enslaved in Egypt and God set you free. And this story actually lingers in the background of all of the scriptures. Almost every New Testament writer, especially the Apostle Paul. And I just want to name here that the notion of freedom in the scriptures is understood as being freed from enslavement in Egypt, but for something, to something, to an end. It's not an arbitrary freedom of self-determination, rather freedom to serve God, freedom to trust that God is able, freedom to keep in step with God's song. And I think this is one of the challenges for us here in our world in Atlanta in 2023 as we receive this word this morning. We often think about freedom as doing what we want when we want and how we want. But as we saw in our story this morning, that the Israelites were freed from enslavement so they could be free to follow God. And it turns out that freedom is deeply rooted in following this God of deliverance. Most of us, when we hear the word freedom, we don't think about freedom as following. We think about freedom as self-determination. And our Western Enlightenment imaginations have shaped us to think about freedom this way. We think about freedom as personal independence. And we really prioritize being able to think for ourselves and do for ourselves and choose for ourselves. And while our emphasis on the individual can be meaningful, right? Each of us are created uniquely in the image of God. In our culture, personal freedom and expressing one's truest self has become an obsession, an idol, you might say. And this worldview is so ubiquitous that we actually don't even think about it. It's just the air that we breathe. And I just wanna name that this is not the kind of freedom that I'm talking about this morning. This conception of freedom is actually foreign to the whole narrative of scripture. We are in fact created. We are derivative of a creator. We are not an end in and of ourselves, but we have been formed in a worldview that places me at the center. And whatever I want and whenever I want it, we call that freedom. But that's actually not true because at the end, what that does is enslaves me to my own malformed desires that have no way of leading me into freedom. True freedom comes from serving and following the one who created us and the one who loves us. 
And we hear this echoed all throughout the scripture. We, and we heard it this morning in our Romans passage from the Apostle Paul. We don't live to ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And this is the song of freedom, that we belong to the Lord. And our truest selves are most fully realized in communion with him, in step with his song. And some of us here this morning have been dancing to a beat that we think is freedom, but it's a parody of freedom. Maybe success or power or wealth or achievement or perfection or unbelief or choosing your own way, you name it. And these things can feel like freedom to us. But at the end of the day, we become enslaved to them and our lives become controlled by them. And so we are invited this morning to become God's liberation people, to enter into the real song of freedom, to dance to the beat of the God of freedom. May it be so for us in Jesus' name, amen.